What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. If you drew the wrong card today, you're going to hear why your team sucks, okay? We're going to go through units that just stink and need to be addressed, whether it's prior to opening day, whether it's at the trade deadline, or moving forward. Jack, Peter, Just Baseball Show, Tuesday, January 17th. Hope you guys enjoyed the three-day weekend. Uh, Arm and I put one out yesterday kind of addressing all of the news. It's a pretty slow time right now. Of course, we're going to get going with World Baseball Classic stuff. When spring training kicks off, we're going to have spring training stuff going on. And then, of course, all the preview things. But we're in that weird soft spot. And we said, you know what? Let's make some fan bases squirm and stay up at night thinking about how their second base situation may fuck them, right? Yeah, we used to be a podcast that all we kind of did was talk about the positives. And it was fun. And we're going to do that. We will have episodes where we talk about underrated units and, you know, really good rotations, really good bullpens, really good offensive uh, teams in general or positions that we really like moving forward into 2023. But this episode is not for that. This episode is to make you squirm, like Jack said. We're going to talk about ass, booty cheeks, stinky units. I'm ready to go. If if Peter likes doing anything, it's talking about ass. Yeah, I loves talking so, ass. <laughs> yeah, talking about ass. We got Buccaneers versus Cowboys, two teams who are kind of ass, but Ooh, Monday Night Football yeah. is going to be sick. So obviously, this is airing after the fact. Wasn't it crazy when the Cowboys won by more than two and a half points? Yes, but I have a teaser with Bucks plus eight and a half. So I'm hoping they just lose by six. You already saw it. You already saw it happen. Cowboys win the game 27-20. Okay. Okay. All right. Fair. Um, Zeke Elliott, he's still on the Cowboys, yeah? Yeah, this is the Just Baseball show. Let's get, get back to ask, because what, what are we going to talk about here? The Cowboys run running situation? No, we are talking about another team, the Dallas-Fort Worth uh, Metroplex in that area. And yeah. um, you've got a bunch of pitching situations that aren't great. Uh, some that we've just beaten into the ground, the Padres rotation, the Cardinals rotation, and we'll hit on those very quick. But you've got some other rotations and bullpens that that you think could be soft spots. You do have one offensive unit in the Dallas-Fort Worth area that we will start with, um, and then I'll get into my like offensive units that I, I think are going to really struggle this year. But you start us off. Yeah, I'll start us off offense because then I have uh, five – uh, pitching units that I don't necessarily like in 2023. First one is the Rangers outfield situation. Um, they forgot to address it. And that's why they've been in the rumor mill for Brian Reynolds. And But the package for Brian Reynolds is still very, very high, in part because it doesn't seem like the Pirates want to trade Brian Reynolds. So they are 
testing the waters in order to see if someone will overpay and they keep coming up empty because nobody will overpay. And it'll be exciting to see maybe during the trade deadline if he gets traded. But this is about the Rangers situation currently. And currently, Adolis Garcia is a solid outfielder. He's a guy who could hit 25 home runs, steal 25 bags, and be a good defender. He is a good outfielder. Leody Tavares in center field. He's got a lot of tools. He can really run it down and and get a ball. He's a really good defender. He was in the 88th percentile. Now it's above average. He's got a cannon of an arm and he's got a lot of speed, but the speed hasn't really translated into stolen bases. Now he did have 11 last year, but in 16 tries, that's a 68% rate of stealing bases effectively. And we know that at 68%, you're not going to have the green light. So while he does have speed, he hasn't been a very good base runner. And he doesn't really get on base. He's around a 310 OBP guy. And for now, his career over three seasons, even though it's been in a limited sample, over about 660 plate appearances, he's a 624 OPS guy. And that's center field. And that's already not a good spot for them. But then in left field, right field, I'm not sure where they're going to deploy Adolis. They have... Josh H. Smith, who yeah. hit 197 last year, had a 68 WRC plus, and doesn't have a lot of the tools that Leody Tavares does. Now, Josh is young. He could be okay. Yeah. But right now, the Rangers want to be a playoff team. They spent hundreds of million dollars on the infield. They've spent hundreds of millions of dollars on the rotation. Yeah. And the outfield looks as barren as possible right now. Yeah, so their backup plan right now, they've got three guys that can play the outfield that are on their projected four-man bench on opening day by Fangraphs, and that's Ezekiel Duran, who we know is like a third baseman that's kind of phased out of third base because Josh Young is back. Um, So Duran could be there, and obviously Duran had prospect pedigree. Duran's got a lot of talent. Mark Mathias is like an organizational guy. He's going to be just shy of 29 years old on opening day, which you don't feel great about, especially when you – you don't have like excellent MLB track record on a like as a bench bat. So Matthias, you don't feel great about Bubba Thompson. You don't feel great about it all filling in there. And then in terms of where you're at in the organization, like Jonathan Ornelas spent the entire year in double A. That could be a guy that you force up and have him skip triple or just a brief cameo in triple, but you don't feel really great about it. Dustin Harris, I don't know if you feel really great about it. Again, that's a guy with the bulk of his previous reps coming at the double-A level. And then the two guys that you're really going to bank on here are Aaron Zavala and Evan Carter. Evan Carter, the top prospect in the Rangers system by Aram over at Just Baseball. You know, you can read it on JustBaseball.com. Carter and Zavala are both slated to start the year in double a so your backup plan on the farm like the guys that you see as part of your future are still a year year and a half maybe even two years away so how do you contend in the outfield this year is it at the deadline is it going for brian reynolds um i'm not sure so something i want to tease our guys at just breaks which is going to be A very cool thing that we do over here at Just Baseball, our card guys, Kendall and T, they've been doing breaks on wildcard trading and they do a great job. They're jumping on board to start Just Breaks. And the reason I bring this up, Dustin Harris, I have two of his autos, need him. If he's good, I can retire. If he's not, 
you know, we'll see. But yeah. Are you currently... like hell bent on retiring in your 20s? I feel like you it's, talk it's a, about that often. Do you it, want to retire or do you like doing this? I love doing this. But in terms of retiring and says money isn't important to me. And if Dustin Harris is that good, money won't be important to me. So check out Just Breaks. I got both of these cards from Just Breaks. Be on the lookout for when that well, drops before the season starts. Peter, let's let's not keep our audience in the dark. We're already loaded. Like money's no object. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what we're doing over as, here. As we both sit in our studio apartments. <laughs> Exactly. Um, but the Rangers, speaking about money, spent so much money and have not invested in this outfield. Like that yeah. is that is the point. There are units on the Rangers that do are not playoff caliber. They're not average. They are far below average. And when an entire unit is far below average, you need help. Yeah, I mean, it's still a flawed team, you know, yeah. like you can spend so much and still be a flawed team. The only way that you can outspend your flaws is by committing to like a hundred million dollars in tax penalties that the Mets are doing, right? Like they covered up their flaws with money. And so much of that money is just going back to major league baseball uh, by way of the luxury tax. So if you're going to stay under the tax, you're going to be a flawed team unless you have elite development. And it looks like the Rangers are going to enter a golden age of young talent. Like it, it feels like they've got a lot of control coming up. They've got a really loaded system. You could make the argument that they're a top 10 farm system in baseball right now, but we're still about two years away from that actually turning into big league success. You know what I mean? Like the Cubs, everybody was talking about, oh, the best system in baseball with Bryant, with Baez, with all these guys coming up. It took two, three years from that point for them to become the World Series winner. So they spent like they're a World Series winner and they're trying to like get over the top. They're not there yet because they can't supplement with like this prospect development. Let's stay within the division. Your next unit. My next unit, um, AL West, the Angels. I've got one from each division, so I'm just going to bounce around with you. But the the Angels, like what are we doing at short? Um, that's my big question with them because – you and I both have this conversation, right? You're ready to buy back in on the Angels every single year, and you look at the lineup, and it's like, damn, you know what? I, I'm I'm in on this lineup. And then you look at the rotation with Otani, with Tyler Anderson, who you just added, and, and you've got depth here in the rotation as well. Reed Detmers certainly took a step up in the second half a year ago. But then you're running out a combination of Luis Renjifo, David Fletcher, and whatever Gio Urshela can give you at short. Why? I know that you've got Ward and Renfro and Trout and Otani and a healthy Rendon finally, and you feel really good about the tandem of Stassi and Ohapi, and you've got Jared Walsh. But shortstop's a really important position for a team that wants to contend. And Renjifo, Fletcher, and Urshela playing short for a contender is not the way you actually contend. Yeah, and you spoke about organizational depth. I mean, the Angels don't have it when it comes to shortstop either. They've so got Neto. No, but he's not coming up next year. No, like, not Yeah, this they year. have Zach Neto, but he's not coming up next year to play full-time shortstop. So, right. yeah, they have prospects there, but it, there's nobody on the cusp. Like, for example, the Yankees, they have IKF, and they have Peraza and Anthony Volpe knocking on the door. Potentially, they could play next season. I'm not saying that that's a good equation right now because you're relying on either a rookie or IKF who didn't show much last year, but the Angels don't have that rookie coming up. So they're going to have to piece together 
the most important position on the field with a combination of guys who are either replacement level or just straight up not shortstops. So that's just a big issue. The Angels are hoping to be a playoff team when the most important position on the field shortstop, they don't have a viable option there. It's hard. It's hard. I, I'm not sure how you go about it. Like, I think Elvis Andrews makes a lot of sense for them. It makes a lot of sense for everybody because uh, there's a lot of teams that need a shortstop. It's it's really pop-loaded, the position is, at the top. But you go down to a lot of teams, and they don't have a good shortstop. And, like, Elvis Andrews is probably looking for a two-year deal because he's needed right now. Yeah, I'd give him a two-year deal. Hey, at least use him for the entirety of this year. If Neto, you feel like, is ready early next year. I mean, Andrews, it's not like he's going to be an expensive two-year deal. What's he going to be? Two years, $8 million? Okay, then go sign Jose Iglesias if you're worried about that. Get him on a one-year deal. At least get a shortstop. Get a shortstop. Just be serviceable. And anything is better than what they ran out last year, right? That was Velasquez. And didn't Tyler Wade play a little short for him? Yeah. And then Renhifo, like they settled on Renhifo. He was the best case last year. And that's why they sucked. Yeah, the graveyard of the Yankees. Tyler Wade and Andrew Velasquez. All right, staying go. on the Angels. The lowest projected war for a bullpen is the Los Angeles Angels by fan graphs. Yeah. And now that takes into account every arm who could be available. But still at the top end... It's not very good. They signed Carlos Estevez, who, you know, he was with the Rockies. He's a fine reliever, and he's projected to be their closer. They also have Jimmy Herget, who has a good slider and has decent stuff. He's this funky right-hander. He throws him that three-quarter slot. He's okay. Ryan Tapera now at 35 years old. He, he doesn't have great projections. Aaron Loop, again, kind of same thing. And then down the line, we could go through it. They don't have a lot of viable bullpen arms at all. Like when you look at the Angels, we do this every year, and then we have to look deeper. Top end talent, it's amazing. Otani, Trout, Rendon, you know, Logan Ohapi, I think is going to be good. You have Taylor Ward and Renhifo. And then at the top of the rotation, Otani, Tyler Anderson, Patrick Sandoval. But then you look deeper into this team. We talk about this. What are they going to do game 1-12? when a couple of guys are banged up and it's the sixth inning and it's a one run game, like they probably aren't winning those games. They probably aren't because this bullpen is dog water. It is not good. Right. So we talked about the size of Herget's testicles. We talked about it. Like, does he have the nuts to be a closer? And, you know, we got some replies on Twitter saying yes. We got some replies on Twitter saying no. And it was funny how you guys talked about his testicle size. Um, Tapera and Loop, it's so funny how things can change in a year because we said they aced the offseason last year and Tapera and Loop were a big reason why and extending Rysel Iglesias, it was a big reason why. And we said, oh, I mean, Loop was a sub two ERA guy, right? Tapera was a guy that looked like a true setup man for the Cubs and White Sox. But then, you know, these guys had down years. So we're just like chalking them up as losses, right? Talking about his bad deals. There's a chance that Tapera and Loop are good this year. But I think the biggest thing that they're missing right now is freaking Rysel Iglesias. That sucks that they traded him. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're big fans of Tucker Davidson over here. But Jesse Chavez is now back on the Braves. Or he was back on the Braves at the time. Now I think he's a free agent. Um, But you didn't really capitalize on that deal. And Tapera and Loop, 
Like, I'm not saying they're going to be bad. I'm not. And I think when you hear lowest projected war by a bullpen, it stands out as, you know, these guys are terrible. I don't think they will have the worst bullpen in Major League Baseball. No. But what those projections are taking into account is that Perrin Loop were high three ERA guys. And are they going to get better or are they going to get worse a year older than they were last year? And Fangraph says that they get worse. Which I think is fair. Like, I don't think they're going to get better even if they stay the same. High threes ERA guys right. are not g- great bullpen arms. That's right. just the reality of the situation. Right. Um, I was texting our Red Sox guy, Colby Olson. And I was giving him shit about the catching situation. And he was like, it's fine. Mm. Reese McGuire and Connor Wong is fine. You feel good about that? Uh, Now, I I can give, before I like really dive into why McGuire and Wong is not a good combination for the Boston Red Sox. And, you know, we've done enough shitting on the Boston Red Sox over the last couple of weeks because of their lack of activity during the free agent frenzy and, you know, your inability to retain Xander Bogarts and things like that. Um, The last time the Red Sox had a putrid catching tandem was 2018. Sandy Leone and a 27-year-old Christian Vasquez. They combined for like a a 525 OPS. But you know what happened in 2018? Yeah. They won the World Series. So I will tell you this, though. Mookie Betts was on that team. A healthy Chris Sale was on that team. Xander Bogarts was on that team. <laughs> there, are, there are a bunch of guys that were on that team. Hell, Nathan Yavaldi was on that team. There are a bunch of guys that were on that team that are not on that team anymore, and that is the fault of the front office and ownership. Um, but this is their first year since 2018 that they are without Christian Vasquez for a bulk of the catching duties, and, and they're going with a guy in Reese McGuire who has a career 85 WRC plus and 12 homers in 230 games. And they're going with a guy in Connor Wong who has 70 major league plate appearances under his belt. And yes, he was part of the bets trade, but he was like a fine prospect. He was like a 120 WRC plus guy in Worcester. He, but... was, he, he was not the prize. He was no, the he was the third. In that he deal. was the third piece of that. Verdugo was the prize. Verdugo's like a 105 WRC plus guy. Jeter Downs was the other prize. Jeter Downs was DFA'd, and then Connor Wong was the third piece. And Wong is the one that is like, I, I think people think highest of. I mean, obviously Verdugo. Verdugo is an everyday guy, but is he a good everyday guy? Wong. He might not even be a good platoon catcher. He's got a 33% K rate and a WRC plus under 80, granted in 70 plate appearances. So you've got a guy in Wong who hasn't proved himself at all. And you've got a guy in McGuire who across five seasons has never had the opportunity to prove himself. And when he has been on the field, he hasn't been good. He's been bouncing around teams to run out of the White Sox, to the Red Sox now. And, and I got to feel terrible about this catching situation. Yeah, I mean, you can't, you cannot feel good about those two. And it's funny because organizations, when they make a trade, when they trade their best player and they get back those prospects, they're going to give those prospects as much run as possible. We've seen it with the Yelich trade with Miami. Arm said this, like, they're going to run out Monty Harrison. They're going to run out Lewis Brinson. So they're going to really try and see if they have something in Connor Wong. And I think both of us are on the side of, I don't think they have much. And then Reese McGuire is a good backup. 
Like that's the reality. I know he had a decent um, debut with the Red Sox offensively. Like he wasn't, he wasn't too bad. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know over a 162 game schedule that Reese McGuire is going to be a top 20 catcher in baseball. And when his backup is a fringe backup, that is a bad unit behind the plate in one of the most impactful situations. Like when you talk about the Red Sox last time, they didn't have a great catching situation. They won the World Series. It's kind of a one-off because the rest of their team was incredible. The rest of the Red Sox team isn't incredible. Especially without story right now. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, th- that's a big problem. And then you look at organizational depth, like there is none. And and McGuire was a Toronto Blue Jay. You mentioned he's a good backup. He was like the fourth string, Reese McGuire. And that's why they flipped him to Chicago for Zach Collins, who turned into a fourth string that can also play first base. And they ended up DFAing Zach Collins with options available. And then the Pirates got him and then the Pirates DFA'd him. Like Collins' career has just sailed on him. But I, obviously, Toronto's got a great catching situation, right? They had Alejandro Kirk, who's a top five catcher in baseball. They had Danny Jansen, who is the best backup in baseball and would be starting on about 10 to 15 teams. And then Gabby Moreno was a top 10 prospect in the game, and they flipped him for Varsho. McGuire was the fourth string, but he's a good backup. He shouldn't be the starting catcher for the Boston Red Sox. No, he should not be. Let's move on to pitching. Um, and this is a unit that you wouldn't expect to be bad because historically this unit has been great for them and has been one of the bright spots of this Brewers team for a while now. And I'm of course, I'm not talking about the starting rotation. I'm talking about the bullpen. Man, are they lucky they have Devin Williams. So now after trading Josh Hader over to the Padres, they got a big, they got a, you know, they got a lot of prospects for him. But now when you look at this Brewers bullpen, by Fangraphs, they are projected to finish 17th as a unit. And even when you look at the top guys beyond Devin Williams, like Matt Bush is a good reliever. He is a good setup man. Not a great setup man, a good setup man. 3-4-7 ERA last year. That's probably where he's going to be around now that he's 37 years old. Aaron Ashby, who's projected to be in their bullpen, which gives them a leg up to get them maybe to 17th. He's going to probably be a starter. Like they have Wade Miley listed as their fifth starter. I'd rather be starting Ashby than Wade Miley. I'd way rather be starting Ashby. And I think Ashby's going to get plenty of run in this rotation because they've had guys who've been banged up before. We've seen Freddie Peralta, like even Woodruff has been banged up. We're going to see a lot of Aaron Ashby. Then you look at guys like Javi Guerra, who had a five ERA last year. You know, Hobie Milner, Bryce Wilson, Adrian Hauser is just not that good of a pitcher. Like, they don't have that many good arms back there. And why I wanted to touch on this unit is because this bullpen for the Brewers has been one of their strengths for so long. And I almost feel like they banked on that and then forgot to add. That's why the Brewers are in this weird situation where they're kind of selling, kind of competing. But late in games, it used to be the door was locked down. Now the door is wide open. Right. Well, and there's no suitor in here anymore. There's no cousins in here anymore. Hell, there's no Brad Boxberger, your favorite reliever on planet Earth, in here anymore. Um, I mean, there's no this, Trevor Gott, no Trevor Gott in here anymore. This bullpen has so many starting pitchers in it. Yeah, it's so weird. Like, okay, you signed Miley, but we're talking about Ashby, 
Ashby, Ashby's like in the bullpen right now, but he's a starting pitcher. Starting How pitcher. is there the saddest fucking thing we've done on this show was the first episode of the new year. We did the Royals GM episode. And I was like, how about Adrian Hauser in a Kansas city Royals uniform? And I was like, Oh my gosh, have we hit rock bottom as a collective? Yeah. yeah. But like Hauser, you said he's not a great starter. He's a starter. Like Hauser is not a relief pitcher. Bryce Wilson is a starter. He's not a bullpen arm. So you've got three starters in the bullpen right now, and you've got Matt Bush, who we know Bush, yeah, throws hard, great narrative overcoming that. How good of a setup guy is he actually going to be? Because you had the best in the game going to a possible future Hall of Fame closer in Hayter. And when you moved Hayter for Taylor Rogers, you still had a good tandem, right? Devin, the closer, Taylor Rogers, the setup. Now Taylor Rogers is the San Francisco giant. So it's just a really weird setup in that bullpen. And I don't know if it's, you mentioned 17 average, right? Slightly below average. And that's with the war with all these starters. Exactly. So, you know, I, I think, all right, well, if those starters actually buy into being relievers, you know, maybe they're good, but why would you make Bryce Wilson be a bullpen guy when Bryce Wilson can give you seven? It's really you tell me. I don't know. I am unsure. I don't know. Hauser, like, is is every game going to be you get five from the starter, then you get three from one of these guys, then you just go straight to Bush and Devin? Is that the plan? Give me give me Hauser in Kansas City for Nick Lofton. Sure. Cool? Sure. <laughs> um, all right. I'm going to stick actually with the Brewers here because the MLB level outfield needs work actually, you know, and you mentioned like during this weird quagmire of, are we selling? Are we contending? Um, I think their, their infield and their starting rotation say contending. I think their outfield and their bullpen say kind of selling Christian Yelich is going to commandeer a spot for the Milwaukee Brewers. His contract, unfortunately has become immovable until he proves otherwise. And even then, if he becomes Christian Yelich again, the Brewers want to hold on to him. So and Christian Yelich is saying a that, dude. We keep saying that every year. And like, when is it coming? I want it so bad. Like, so bad. I, it's I not coming. Wish, if I could put together like a wish list for Major League Baseball in 2023, number one on that wish list is make Christian Yelich great again. And that in no way aligns with my political beliefs, but make Yelich great again. Make him great again. I would love to see Christian Yelich do great things again in Major League Baseball. Former MVP, but he just hits the ball on the ground. He doesn't have that same whippiness through the zone that where he can get lift and just crush balls, where he can hit 40 doubles and 30 bombs. It's just not there anymore. So, And that's the best part of this Major League outfield. Right. So Yelich is the left fielder, right? But as of right now, the opening day outfield looks like Yelich in left, Garrett Mitchell in center, and Tyrone Taylor in right. And you think, okay, well, that's just like a stopgap, right? What's what's on the bench, you know, are are those kind of like two and three in a in a four-man rotation among those two spots? No. Like Mike Brasso, Abraham Toro, Owen Miller, and Keston Hura have little to no experience in the outfield. So you got to look on the farm. And obviously, Sal Freelick and Joey Weimer are the two names that jump to mind. Sal Freelick seems MLB ready, but if you're trying to win a World Series, you can't bank on a rookie to They're be not there. trying to win a World Series. They're not trying to win a World Series. I think that's kind of what I'm getting at here. And, and Weimer, like, if you're starting him, you're not trying to win a World Series. You're trying to see what you have with a young guy. Which and is see fine. If you can win one in two years. Um, the thing that makes no sense to me, and, like, it didn't make sense in the moment, 
Um, I think we got really excited on the Angels' behalf for Hunter Renfro going to Anaheim because that's another bat in the outfield. But moving Hunter Renfro from a team that wants to win the NL Central didn't make any sense, especially for three pitchers, two of which starters, and you already have starting pitching depth. So that trade was just a nothing to me, and I have no idea why they decided to move Renfro, which just created another hole. Yeah, but you'll see what happens with Jansen Junk when he's awesome. But yeah, yeah, so moving on. Uh, so I wrote an article over on JustBaseball.com, and we'll end it with two rotations that you know we've spoken about at length. And I think we just have to kind of remind the audience, you know, maybe if they didn't catch a couple episodes, like where these rotations are at. But the one rotation that we haven't talked about a lot that I wrote about in my article is this Baltimore Orioles rotation. Yeah. And the opening line of my article is, "I'm not. I'm worried about the Nationals rotation. Of course I am, but." This list is for playoff contenders and the Orioles hope to be playoff contenders. They were playoff contenders last year. And now you get a full season of Gunner. You get a full season of Adley. We've said this before, but this rotation, you're putting a lot on Grayson Rodriguez, who was coming off 75 innings in the minor leagues last year, where his season ended prematurely because of a lat injury. Now he could come back and be great. But he could also have a 3-8-3 ERA like Fangraphs is projecting. And that's not insane for a rookie pitcher in his first year off an injury. That would actually, I think if if Grayson Rodriguez finished next year with a 3-8-3 and showed great stuff, I think we'd be pleased with his development, right, Jack? Yes, I think so. And then you combine him with guys like Kyle Bradish who in the second half looked great. He was flashing this slider, flashing this breaking ball that looked pretty good. But there were some points where he would get shelled. And then overall, over the season, he was like a five ERA guy. Dean Kramer turned in a good season, but the peripherals are frightening. Like a 3-2-3 ERA compared to, you know, peripherals in the fours is not what you want. Now, could he be a guy who overcomes that year over year? Of course, we don't know. Right. But... History would tell us that he wouldn't. Now, there are pitchers who continually outperform. Will he be that guy? I'm not so sure. Then you have like Kyle Gibson at the top of the rotation. It sucks. Who sucks was, so yeah, bad. That, that he was the guy who was like filling in for the Phillies. You know, filling in, not a rotation piece. Filling in for them in the playoffs. This is not a good rotate. Tyler Wells, 4-6-2 ERA. I like Tyler Wells. I do. He he doesn't give up hard contact, but he doesn't strike anybody out, and his command isn't special. He's a fine pitcher. Like, they don't have a one, and I would venture they don't have a two. They have threes and fours on a I'd I'd argue they have fours and fives. Maybe. And I don't think he – I'm giving Grayson the three nod already, which is – ambitious Grayson's a three when he debuts he's a three with the chance to be a two at the end of that outing and that's the best pitcher on the Orioles yeah but Grayson Rodriguez could also be an ace by the all-star break you know what I mean and he could also get injured and not have a great year and not yeah. adjust well yeah um I mean like, the Orioles I was are talking like... up Shane Boz and like look what happened to Shane Boz like right. Shane Boz was on that level of pitching prospect goes down with an injury. Like if Grayson goes down with an injury, this is what they're left with. Correct. And it's not playoff there's just, caliber. There's so much variance within Grayson that you just, you plug him in as a three and you see what happens. It might go either way. 
Right. Um, it'll be nice to, you know, have means back in the fold for however much you get from him. Um, yeah, they have depth. Like DL Hall has crazy Yeah, but not top stuff. end talent. Like or Zimmerman, a guy who had a six ERA. He had a yeah. great April, but then slid down a cliff. Yeah. I mean, John Means, like you said, just been injured, but a good pitcher, but been injured. Like they have guys, but they we, don't have guys. Right. We we've talked about the possible trade pairing of the Orioles and Marlins, and we talk about it with Pablo Lopez, right? Like, hey, what would a deal for Pablo Lopez look like? Uh I sent this text last week if baltimore received trevor rogers from miami they would have to give up i think kyle stowers jordan westberg and hudson haskin i was texting arm about that and if you ask an orioles fan they throw up they don't want to give up any of their guys and And they're just like like, doesn't trevor rogers suck he finished second in rookie of the year voting like two years ago 2021 yeah he like trevor rogers he would come over to the orioles and i think he'd be their best pitcher that's where they're at right now. Of course, that's Grace what they need to do. Take him. They need to trade for a guy that will be their best pitcher. I mean, Pablo Lopez would be their best pitcher. Arguably, Correct. they get Edward Cabrera. He might be their best pitcher. Cabrera and G-Rod would be nasty. In, it's got the chance. Like, that's the thing. Edward has not proven that he can stay on the field. G-Rod's coming off of injury. But if those two are healthy over a full season, I mean, I'm tuning into 40% of Orioles games for that. I just don't understand Orioles fans. Like, I see them on Twitter. I see them in our YouTube comments. And I love Orioles fans because they know their team. That's why I love debating with fans who know their team inside and out. And Orioles fans, like, no offense, but you've been in the cellar for a very long time. And now you finally are getting to this window. You can trade from your depth. You can. You can give up the Westbergs of the world. You can give up the Kerstads of the world to get pitching now. Like, you have Gunner. Like, you have your shortstop of the future. You have your third base. You love Mateo, right? Like, you have the guys. You have this nucleus of offense, plus other guys that will come besides the ones that we're even naming. And the bullpen's pretty solid. And the the bullpen is pretty good. Like, they still need more. They have three dogs at the top, and then it gets weak quick. That's what I was looking. Like, the Orioles, where they rank in F4, is actually below the Brewers, but I just did not agree with Fangraph's assessment of them, so I didn't add them because they have much more talent than Fangraph's is projecting. But I understand where they're coming from because it gets weak quick. Yeah. They have holes that can be filled and they can compete this year if Mike Elias ever decided to escalate the payroll, which he did not. Oh, he did, man. Adam Frazier. Say hello to Adam Frazier and Kyle Gibson. I think that is the most disappointing thing of this entire offseason. I really do. For any team. I like, think it's the I mean, I think it's the Red it. Sox they lack of done it. Maybe, maybe, but like they did do stuff. Like, they signed Yoshida, they signed Kenley, they signed Justin Turner. The Orioles literally did nothing. I mean... And the Orioles are better than the Red Sox. Yes, correct. But the Orioles already knew that they were in a better spot than the Red Sox. You know what I mean? Okay, but then get into a better spot. Spend $30 million. Like, they still have one of baseball's lowest payrolls by a lot. Yeah, that's a lot of money, though, $30 million. Like, you you get some real time players Orioles fans are gonna 
flock Camden Yards, and that place is going to be jumping. Those years with Adam Jones, like they were an awesome team to watch. I love Orioles fans. Like they are so passionate and they are so like ready to see this team lift off. But Orioles fans, be okay with trading your prospects to get players now because the time is now. Yeah, there's not there's not much like fluctuation in terms of attendance for a lot of the big market teams, right? Even if they're bad, they're going to show up. Fenway Park is going to sell out most days, you know, even if they suck. Um, Wrigley Field is going to sell out most days, even if they suck. And if the Yankees somehow put out a 500 season, then like Yankee Stadium is still going to be filled. Baltimore, Baltimore's got to be one of the craziest fluctuating attendance totals in baseball, because when they're good, they sell that place out. When they're bad, it's empty. Same thing with the White Sox. I think the Pirates, that's kind of the same thing. Early 2010s, I mean, they were filling that place up, and now you can't pay somebody to go. So I and, I but, hope for their sake that they've got, you know, a good starting pitcher to pair with G-Rod, and then the rest can figure itself out. And can you blame Orioles fans for not going to Camden Yards? No, I can't. I can't. Like straight up don't spend money on the team. This year like, was it, the first year where you should genuinely – this past year was the first year where – Orioles fans have genuinely felt good in a while and they should and like keep building on it because this team could go from 83 wins to 79 wins next year and how disappointed would we be in this organization if they go 79 and 83 next year very and that's very within the range they're projected at 77 and a half wins I keep asking myself why this such steep drop off and I get it now I still like the over but I get what the projection says I understand it now Yeah. Two for one special on the White Sox. I think they have holes at catcher and second base. And unfortunately, it's a hole at catcher because before the Benintendi deal, before $75 million, Yasmani Grandal was the most expensive player in White Sox history. He signed the largest contract given to a free agent in White Sox history. But Grandal has not proven that he can catch a full season in a White Sox uniform. Each of the last two years, his two full seasons with the White Sox, he played like 34 games, I want to say, of the 60, maybe 44 of the 60 in 2020. But in 2021, he played less than 100 games. In 2022, he played less than 100 games. And we know he hit like 205 in 2022. And yeah, he walked great. But you know what? He didn't impact the ball much at all. Uh, Grandal, 99 games this past year, a negative 0.4 F1. Their backup plan right now is Sebi Zavala, 29-year-old Sebi Zavala, who's posted a 670 OPS in 103 big league games in his career. Carlos Perez is a triple-A catcher that doesn't strike out. I think Perez can catch a little bit, but for a team that, you know, a lot of people were putting, were, were paying for tickets for the White Sox to win the World Series, you know what I mean? Like, they were going to Vegas and saying, I like the White Sox at those odds. Um, they have a terrible catching situation. But the biggest problem here is second base. It's incredible. And I feel like it's not that hard to get some bang for your buck at second base, right? Colton Wong feels like the barometer for average second base play. And Colton Wong's worth what? About eight or nine million dollars. The White Sox have that. Yeah. Like they're going to run out a trio of Romy Gonzalez, Leury Garcia, and Lenin Sosa. Romy Gonzalez injury plagued 2022 season, but he played 33 games in Charlotte, had a 66 WRC plus, played 32 games with the White Sox, had a 69 WRC plus. 
Nice. Nice. But not nice at the same time. Leury Garcia, you cannot make this shit up. 97 games in 2022. Leury Garcia slashed 210, 233, 267 for a 39 WRC+. And Lenin Sosa, yes, he hit 331 in 62 games in Birmingham. He hit 296 in about 60 games in Charlotte. But when he got his big league audition, it was 11 games long. He was four for 35. How do you go into opening day with this as your second base situation? You're forfeiting the nine spot. You going over those stats was so depressing. So sad. Like That's Larry like Garcia. the worst production of Eddie whatever. When so you know like the name association game right you, you're sitting in the in the shrink chair and you know your therapist says a word and you say the first word that jumps to mind. I think for White Sox fans, if they heard the name Leori Garcia, they immediately say Tony Larusa because Larusa continued to back him up and like yeah Leori's like he's Good valuable guy. because he can play everywhere and he's a switch hitter. Okay, oh a Swiss God. Army knife. Every knife in the Swiss Army knife is fucking dull, dude. Yeah. It doesn't work anymore. It's like having a pack of crayons and they're all just like used up. Right. It's like I have the 100 I have the 100 color box. Oh, but they're all gone. Like They're all brown color. Yeah, it's They're sucks. different shades of brown. Right. <laughs> yeah. Shit, as I'd like to say. Um all right, so I don't have anything to add to that. Like it's garbage. It just and sucks. what are you going to do? And- they and like I don't know how they get better because Colson Montgomery's far off. You know, it's it's so hard. It's so so hard. And it, they they figured out ways to optimize Andrew Vaughn by letting Abreu walk. And Put Vaughn at second. No. <laughs> no. Sheets. Um, that sure. lefty. The Why left not? arm at second. I mean, how about Eloy Jimenez at second <laughs> yeah, base? He it. can't tear a peck trying to rob a home run at second base. It's <laughs> a good point. He could. He'll probably be able to feel a ground ball. Um, so I have. Okay, I've talked about the Padres rotation, the Cardinals. I'm just going to lump them into two. These aren't World Series playoff rotations. These are big problems in the regular season. You got three guys at the top: Wainwright, Michaelis. They're getting older. They should still pitch well, but they're not going to pitch better, I don't think, than you've already seen. Then you have Monty for the Cardinals, and then you have Flaherty and Mats who have been injured. We know that. Cardinals fans know this. We know that they could trade kind of like from the like the Orioles have the tons of depth in the infield and the outfield in terms of prospects. They decide that they just don't want to. But we have heard rumors they are checking in with the Marlins. But I think Cardinals fans and I both know that they probably won't get a deal done because the Marlins are going to ask for a good prospect. And John Mozeliak's going to be like, eh, it's scary to trade our good prospects. And they won't end up doing it. And they're going to roll with Flaherty and Mats. Uh, but the Padres, I got some flack, Jack, um, in the comment sections from Padres fans who love Nick Martinez. And I understand that you like Nick Martinez because I like Nick Martinez as a bullpen arm, as a 2.60 ERA in the bullpen type guy. 
But what you're doing by then putting him in the rotation is you take him out of the bullpen. So you lose more depth in that bullpen, which you didn't have a lot of already. And the last time that we saw Nick Martinez be a starter was in 2017 with the Rangers when he had a 5.66 ERA and then went to Japan to pitch and then came back for the San Diego Padres and had some decent starts here and there. I'm not saying that he didn't, Padres fans, but that's what you're doing now. Are you relying on him to throw 160 innings? He threw 106 last year, both in the bullpen and in the rotation. Is he now a starter? Is he a full-time starter? Seth Lugo hasn't been a starter now for half a decade. Is he throwing 150 innings? Like, ask yourself those questions. That's what I'm saying. Not that he can come into a game and give you five good innings. Can he give you 25 starts? Is saying way more than what you saw from 10 starts from him between the bullpen and the rotation. And then beyond those two, you don't have anyone. Mackenzie Gore is gone. Right. Like this, and I made a joke about how Jake Arrieta and Vince Velasquez are going to be making starts for them. And they were like, well, Jake Arrieta's retired. You didn't understand the joke. This was a Padres team that it's was 2021. Having, yeah. The, the, this Padres team was having guys like that make starts. And right now, like if Blake Snell goes down, what are you going to do? If Darvish goes down, what are you going to do? And I know these are what ifs, but these are very logical what ifs when it comes to a starting rotation. Guys get injured. That happens. You need depth. And they don't have any. And then their fourth and fifth starters are longtime relievers. Can they give you good five innings in a spot start? Yes. I'm not saying that they couldn't, you idiots. Obviously, I meant over a 150 to 160 inning sample, and they don't have it. Right. But I've talked about them enough. What I want to end it with is the Yankees. You didn't address the left side of the field. Not just left field, where they've been trying to get Brian Reynolds. Shortstop, IKF, or a rookie. That's winning a World Series. Josh Donaldson is booty cheeks. Yeah. Talking about ass, talking about brown color crayons. Yeah. There's your definition of it. I assume they're going to give DJ LeMayhew more run at third base, but they're still paying Donaldson 20 plus million dollars. And you know, the Yankees, they're paying you. You're going to play. He's going to play like ass probably. Right. Like the left side of the field. It's not just left field with Hicks and Cabrera in left field where you're relying on a rookie who you want to use as a utility player instead of just the left fielder, and you have Aaron Hicks, who seems like he doesn't even want to play for the Yankees anymore. Prove me wrong. I'd love to see him be good again, because he has tools, but, I mean, put them together on a baseball field, please. Right. You're supposed to right. walk all this much. You don't walk anymore. You're supposed to hit home runs. You don't. You have a good yeah. arm still. Great. You're still dropping balls in left field. Like, the yeah. entire left side of the Yankees is ass. Yeah, I think it's a combination of ass and unknown. Um, sure. And you got to acknowledge the unknown. Sure. Right, you know, We so, don't know truly what we get from a full season of Peraza, but are they going to play Peraza or is it just going to be the IKF experience again? Right, exactly. And like the answer right now, I think, is we don't know. If you want to be pessimistic, it's, oh, yeah, they're going to they're going to run out IKF. If you're optimistic, oh, Peraza is playing. He's like he's going to play. You know, if he's performing, he's going to play. So I like I genuinely don't know what Aaron Boone's going to do. Um, and I'm not going to pretend to know what he's going to do. Um, one last thing on Nick Martinez. 
I'm I'm with you 100%. He faced almost an identical number of hitters this year as a starter, as, as a reliever, right? He faced 230 hitters as a starter. He faced 218 hitters as a reliever. This guy, you mentioned a 2.67 ERA out of the pen, a 4.3 ERA in 10 starts. Um, the whip went down from 155 to 104 when he made the move to the bullpen. The batting average against opponents hit 270 against him as a starter. They hit 210 against him as a reliever. So he's just objectively better as a relief pitcher than as a starting Great reliever. Pitcher. So not Great only you're, you're bringing a 4.30 ERA guy who you hope can make 150 innings. But you'd already know. He, but you have, have another one at five. Right. And you already know that he's going to be better in the bullpen. And you're opting not to do that. And you take him out of there. So now yes. the bullpen gets worse. Right. Like there was a reason Sean Manaya kept towing the rubber and they kept Nick Martinez in there because they felt that Sean Manaya, or at least at the time, had a better chance of winning ballgames than Nick Martinez coming in after. Right. Right. But now Sean Manaya's not there. Mike Clevenger's not there. Mackenzie Gore is the national. They don't have, they have Weathers. They have Morahone. They have Julio Teheron. Jay Groom, right? Jay Groom. These aren't options. Could be, maybe, but like that's what you have. And uh, Brent Honeywell World Series Padres, yeah, no, um, that's just a combination of Matt Carpenter and Nelson Cruz. I'm getting back into another season where the Padres have to prove it to me. I'm doing it every year, prove it to me. I I hear you. Uh, I also heard you say Tehran and not Tehran, Julio Tehran, the king. Um, last, last two for me, just real quick, it's. It's almost like rhetorical questions that I pose. Like I actually don't even need an answer because I I think that these are just temporary fixes. They're not like overwhelming permanent issues that are going to be around for the entirety of the season. My question is how do the Phillies survive the first two, three months without Bryce Harper? Um, Because you're going to have Schwarber in left and Castellanos in right flanking Brandon Marsh. We know that's going to be a terrible corner outfield defensively, but a great corner outfield offensively. But as the DH, you're going to have some assortment of Derek Hall, Cody Clemens, Dalton Guthrie. That's not good at all. Bryce has to come back. I was watching this funny video, um, and I thought it was funny, but it was very um, informative. It was this guy breaking down Nick Cassianos' defense and how the Phillies actually moved him. They put him more towards center field and back. Because when you look at outs above average, actually coming in glove side and coming in, he actually got to a lot of balls, but it was balls over his head. It was balls to his backhand that he wasn't getting to. So they would position him. So every ball that he would get in that was going over to right field, he'd be coming into his glove side, which I thought was just hilarious that they actually had to position him to, to field balls in the only way that he could. Like, that's where we're at with Nick Castellanos. Like yeah. the same Nick Castellanos who said in an interview that he loses focus in the regular season. Just, just daydreaming out there on the outfield. He's a lot of guys think it. He said it. Yeah, he just. I know exactly. We know got that happens to guys, but he's just straight out coming out and saying it. Like right. that, I thought that was, but that that video just was the cherry on top of the Sunday where it's like they're literally positioning him wrong so that he can charge it on balls. Why not? Fuck it. Um, I like it. The Phillies are being smart. It's just they. They have Nick Cassiatos in, in right field, and they have Kyle Schwarber in left field, who yeah. is a DH. 
My last one, I don't think is like that big of an issue. It has to do with the Padres because Fernando Tatis is eligible to come back on April 20. So that's only what, three weeks of baseball that you got to survive. But as of right now, the outfield aside from Juan Soto and Wright is Carpenter, Trent Grisham, Jose Azokar, Adam Engel, Brandon Dixon, and David Dahl. How does this team win 94 and a half games? Over because because they have Soto, Tatis, Machado, Cronenworth, Darvish, Musgrove, Snell, Hader, Suarez. Like that's so much talent. The problem is there's just a stark difference. You could divide that clubhouse in half, and it's superstars and replacement level players. There's nobody in between. Yeah. It's just Darvish, Snell, and Musgrove have to stay healthy all year and win like 80% of their games for them to get 95 wins, in my opinion. And like, that's asking a lot. They're very good, but that's asking a lot. Yeah, but they might also win games 10-8 because Tatis drives in five and Soto drives in four. Yeah, they could. Right? They're they're a crazy team. I mean, they're going to be so much fun to watch. I cannot wait to watch these Padres. Yeah. Because they're going to be like half all-star team, half triple a team <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be an incredible difference they're still gonna be very good i'm not saying they're not gonna be good yeah i just people are putting them in the world series and i just cannot come around to that but Can't do it at yet. The same time if they get in the playoffs they are a dangerous playoff team because they're gonna make moves at the deadline and it's all about star power and it's all about your the top of your team and they have as good of a top team as anybody but it's a 162 thing like i think this is a 90 I think this is a 90-win team, not a 95-win team. Every team in the National League has flaws. That's my thing. I think the most flawless team Uh, is Atlanta. And the Mets don't really have flaws. The Dodgers don't really have flaws. Like they kind of disregard what I said. (laughs) You know what? Back to the drawing board with that statement. All right. Off day tomorrow. Uh, (laughs) Peter and Aram back on Thursday to chat baseball with you. Get your merch. Follow our Twitter if you haven't done it. A um, whole bunch of new projects. Arm and I just talked about Show and Go with Taylor Davis. We've got a fantasy show launching for this year to keep you up to speed and help you try and win your fantasy league. Um, just breaks. Peter mentioned earlier in the episode. Box and, breaks. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Can't who's wait better for better baseball that. with Ryan Finkelstein? That's coming too. Just content machines at Just Baseball. Content machines over your Just Baseball. And of course, you can find everything on JustBaseball.com. Follow the socials, and if you would be so kind, we are grinding, trying to give you guys four episodes a week, and you know the drill. If you're a baseball podcast listener, you know that a lot of podcasts are taking some time off. We're here grinding. We want to talk baseball. We want to um, continue to talk with you guys, whether it be through the comments, whether it be on our live streams, any of that, and we appreciate it if you would leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you are listening. Let us know what you like about the show, and if you have any comments about stuff that you want to hear, write that in the review and with that thank you everybody what's so special about hero Bread's soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas these ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar fewer calories and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health shop now at hero.co